Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School, Chicago. I hope and pray that the following message blesses you with peace and hope in Christ, who died and rose for you, for free. It is yours. If you'd like to support God's mission of giving life, hope, peace, joy, and love in the city of Chicago, go to stjames-lutheran.org. Peace. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. There are times when you could really use a sign so you know it's okay. That's going to be all right. Anything. Read the news, scouring it for any sort of sign that something's going to change in the Ukraine, Europe, before the pandemic. Anybody getting tired of yearly crises? You guys want a sign that God is with you? Do you need a sign today that assures you you're going to be all right? I certainly do. Happens all the time in life. And maybe your crisis isn't the Ukraine. Maybe your crisis isn't the pandemic. Maybe some of you have got a lot, of bigger, a lot bigger fish to fry in your own personal life. And who cares about what's going on globally? You're suffering. A family, a marriage gone wrong, a sin, or fear of your own personal death. We need sometimes some signs from God. It's going to be okay. Zelensky has kind of been that for his people every once in a while, right? Suddenly you get this video of the president staying in Ukraine, ready to go, alive, smiling, hanging out with Sean Penn. It probably gives the people confidence. He does it on purpose. To inspire, it's okay, I'm okay, keep going forward. What a good sign that is for the Ukrainian people. Maybe some of you, kind of makes you feel a little more positive. We need something like that, don't we? Jesus gives us signs that are far greater and more meaningful, and they have to do with something far greater or more awesome than simply the end of a war or a pandemic, but even more global, a universal crisis that we are in. Jesus is that sign that God is for us, loves us, it's going to be okay. You know, the people of Jesus' day, these disciples, as I'm frequently saying, they lived in a time of crises after crises after crises and war and rumors of war. Rome was in charge. <clears throat> you saw soldiers everywhere. There was death, there was famine, there was poverty, there was little revolutions constantly. 
And then they found this Jesus, or Jesus found them. And it must have just given them so much hope to see him feed the 5,000 and famine magically, or give sight to the blind, or raise the dead. Jesus was growing in popularity. Why not? He is a sign that it's going to be okay. Hang out with Jesus. You're going to be fine. And they were calling him everything. Prophet, hero, king. Jesus looked at his disciples before today's reading, a week earlier actually, and he says, who do people say I am? You're the prophet. You're awesome. You're John the Baptist resurrected. Jesus asks them, who do you, plural, say I am? Peter responds on their behalf saying, you're the Messiah of God. You're the answer. Hear the answer for this mess. You're the solution for these crises, for all my fears and my worries. You're the one. And Jesus applauds Peter for getting it. And Peter enjoyed that sign. Just looking at Jesus made him confident in the day, confident in what befalls ahead of him, confident because he's with Jesus. And then Jesus says, right after Peter said, you're the Christ, and Jesus said, yes. Then Jesus says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be officially tried and rejected by all leadership and Rome, the world, and killed on a cross. (laughs) And three days later, rise again, but Peter didn't hear that, or who cares about that? Totally flipped his whole world upside down. What does that mean? It's ridiculous. Supposed to be an incline of ever greater happiness with you, Jesus, until a glorious finale in Jerusalem. And now Jesus is talking about upside down on a cross. And he actually takes Jesus aside and says, Worst Messiah plan ever. It's ridiculous. Rebukes the Son of God. The cross was so insane to Peter. And Jesus rebukes Peter and sets him aside and looks at everybody, including you, and he says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to end up picking up a cross too. What the heck is that? Following Jesus means I'm going to carry a cross, look like a fool, look like a condemned man, lose my life maybe even. What in the world? Who is this Messiah? What kind of Messiah is that? Right? You getting tired of following Jesus? Carrying crosses? Not everything go your way? 
don't know what the disciples were thinking at that time. I can guess what you think sometimes. Tired of suffering, although some of you don't even know what that even means. While the two-thirds of the world have been suffering for the last decades, hundreds of years. Never even knew what it's like to have a nice economy and good health care and all the things we do. It's all relative. So Jesus lays on this bomb that he is the Messiah and it's, it, it might not be the most pleasant experience to hang out with the Messiah. A week later, Luke tells us, today's event happens. The next Sabbath, one might say, the next Sunday, Jesus does something for them, for their worried minds and for you. Luke tells us this. He takes Peter, John, and James. They're the top three of the 12. Not because they're great, by the way. They're a bunch of ding-dongs. But because he chooses them to be the leaders. Just like I'm not great. I'm not your pastor because I'm awesome. Some of you think that. But because Jesus chose me to be your pastor. And that's absolutely it. He takes these three He goes up to the mountain to pray. Should you pray? If Jesus is praying, you should be praying. If Jesus thinks prayer works, we should try it ourselves. I encourage you, start praying. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And I'll bet Climbing up the mountain, he got dirty and scuffed. A carpenter's son, a trained carpenter, he was always a little dirty. Sort of a working class person. They didn't take showers every morning, right? They didn't have white clothes because you couldn't get it that way. You couldn't clean that. You might have one cloth that you're wearing that gets dirty over time. It was not pretty. If you are watching a, a book, or you're, if you're watching a book, if you're watching a movie about Bible times and you see people looking like all these different colors and looking really good, not watching the right movie. It was like light tan was the only color at the gap. Dirty. Human. And now Jesus changes clean. A purity that was beyond the world or earth. It was divine. His appearance changes and his face no longer had the pockmark, the unshavenness of fly circling around his ear. It changes. Divine. His clothing becomes dazzling white. He's revealed that he's not just a guy, a Jew, a Galilean. The one that they were following and serving is not just a prophet, not just another speaker, not another president or king, not another a Biden or a Putin or a philosopher or a Muhammad or a, or a Buddha. This is God. And this happens, and behold, two men were talking with him. Who are they? Notice who they are. 
on both sides, Moses and Elijah. These are, if you had uh, baseball cards for heroes of the Old Testament, these are the precious ones. Moses, the exodus, escape from slavery, the promised land, the plagues, the deliverance, the salvation. He's the guy that any Jew back then would say, that's the man, our hero, Moses, and writes the first five books in the Mosaic Law, all these things. And then next to him, on the other side of Jesus, Elijah, the prophet of prophets. And what were they talking about? Notice what they're talking about. Two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. They appeared in glory, which is kind of cool. They're alive and they're well. And they spoke about, and this is the, one of the worst translations in our English Bible. It's a sin that it gets translated like this. They spoke of his departure like he's at the airport and going to get on a plane. The Greek word, you can know this. You can read this. If you were to read it, you can see it. When you hear, when you hear it, you know what it means. In Greek, it says they spoke about his exodus. Is that about him just sort of leaving or dying, rising, ascending? What's the exodus that Moses and Elijah know very well? Moses' exodus is the delivery of slaves from the oppression of the Egyptians and the gift of a promised land of freedom and peace and riches. It's salvation. What's Jesus' exodus that they're talking about? I promise you that Moses and Elijah, who've seen some amazing things in their lifetime, what God had done, are in awe as they're talking about this exodus where it's not going to be Pharaoh's son that's going to die for the salvation, but it's going to be God's son, this Jesus, who's going to lay down his life and the death of that firstborn male son is going to free his very own enemies, you and me, not just the Israelites, but all of humanity from the burden of their sin that is over our heads before God. Christ removes it, receives the plagues, and pronounces you innocent. Because he became sin who knew no sin. Exodus, yeah. Freedom from judgment from God. In the court of law, you are free. And three days later, rises from the dead. Exodus, you want to talk about escaping slavery to sin and to death and to whatever you're afraid of, Jesus comes out alive. That's an exodus. That the Israelites just saw the foreshadow parting of the Red Sea. He's going to rise from the dead. Promised land, you're going to live forever. Moses and Elijah on both sides in awe. <laughs> they talked about an exodus. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. 
because that's what we do. When, when Jesus is getting really serious, the disciples are like always sleeping, right? They look really silly, but that's, what, that's who we are, right? Like, you're, are you sleeping right now, by the way, while I'm preaching? So they're sleeping while they're praying. Have you ever fallen asleep while you're praying? Do you ever go to bed and say, I'm going to do all my prayers now. It's been a hard day, and you know what? I'll pray when I, when I go to bed. You lay down like you're really going to get any praying in. You're out like this, right? We're so weak. And so are these guys. And guess what? It's okay. <laughs> you're in good company. So they're sleeping while this is going on. <laughs> Classic human beings. This is classic. We want God to visit us. We want great experiences. We're sleeping. But when they became fully awake, so they start waking up and they start seeing what is going on. They saw Jesus' glory and the two men who stood with him. So they wake up and they see Moses and Elijah and they see Jesus and they see that Jesus doesn't look like this human being like them anymore, but just the divine angelic face. And as the men were parting, so Moses and and Elijah leave, Peter said to Jesus, because he can't be quiet, Peter just can't shut up, Peter says, Master, it's good that we're here. It's like feel the dreams. His favorites are right there. And instead of like, it's good that we're here, like the, mo- the biggest understatement of the world, right? Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Why? What is Peter thinking? He's thinking, these are my guys. Equally important in my life. Three tents honoring each. And as he's blah, 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 a cloud comes, and uh, they became very afraid. Here we go again. High moment, glorious moment, and now fearful moment. Holy cow, what's going to happen now? The cloud comes, overshadows them. They're afraid. As they entered the cloud, a voice came out of the cloud saying this to Peter, who's thinking about three tenths, and to you. As we live in a cloud, and it is dark out. And it is cloudy out, isn't it? And there are voices and interpretations and news, and I don't know who to believe or what exactly is going on, and it's worse than ever. Talk about a cloud. A voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son. This is the one. Not Moses, not Elijah. Listen to him. And Jesus was alone. Listen to him. In the midst of the fog of war, or the fog of the pandemic, or of politics, or the cacophony of voices. There is one voice to listen to. It's a voice that you can count on more than Fox News or CNN, Biden or Putin or Zelensky, whatever you had hope in or the stock market. There is one voice, Jesus. He's not just a prophet. He's not just Muhammad, he's dead. Not even David, he's dead. Jesus, 
Listen to his voice, God says. If there's any voice you listen to, and as you are getting disturbed these days and you need to hear a voice, a sign, a word of hope, there is only one. Because after this crisis will be another crisis, everybody. Sorry. It's what it means to live in the world. But Jesus' voice pierces them all. The voice that says, you are forgiven. The voice that says, you will rise again. It's going to be okay. You need to hear that voice today? Peace be with you, Jesus says. Right now. Right where you are at. And you know what? We listen to that voice because we've been given a better sign than the transfiguration. That's pretty cool to see Jesus change like that. Wow. And in glory and look awesome. But we've been given something better. Imagine this. This same Jesus now, high, lifted high, and who's on his side? Not the great and righteous Moses and Elijah, but the worst of humanity, you and me, two thieves on a cross. What the world is this? This is insane. God's supposed to be transfigured. He's supposed to look beautiful and divine, but here he is on a cross. Talk about a sign. If you're wondering whether or not God loves you, there he is. If that thief on the cross, I just love to, would love to know what he was thinking. As he looks down and sees people mocking him as they should, he was, a, he was not just a thief. These, are, these were insurrectionists. He was a murderer. He was getting what he deserves. Talk about at the end of your rope, there's this murderer on the cross. This is it, right? You can't get any worse. You're not only dying, but you are going to be known forever as the bad guy. And he looks over, and he's not alone. God is with him. (laughs) How crazy is that? The end of his rope, he looks over, and there's Jesus hanging literally with him. What a sign. Not of God's power, but of his love and his commitment to that guy, to you, and to me. These are not just words that we listen to. They're words written in blood. And you've been given a better sign than transfiguration, but the sign of God on a cross. And three days later, rises again. What a sign. It's going to be okay. You will rise too. Listen to Jesus. It's why we come to church. We don't come here because we put on our, we, we do our best for God. You don't come to church for God. You don't come to church to worship God. Jesus brings you together to continually give you signs, visions, words in this dark age that it's going to be okay that you are forgiven, that you're going to rise again. I'm not here because I wanted to come to St. James. God sent me. And you are not here in people's lives except for God sent you to be in their life and to be signs of Jesus 
Words of hope in this dark time. And people need St. James, and they need these words more than ever. And you want to talk about a better sign of transfiguration? The communion, the body and blood of Jesus. Today, you receive. In the midst of war, in the fog of the battle, he comes to you and says, take and eat. This is my body and blood. You're forgiven, and you're going to rise again personally. May you hear that today. May it empower you to go out and have peace deep. Because it doesn't matter what happens, nothing can take those promises away. You will be fine. You are forgiven. You're going to rise again. And may Jesus, through us, may we be the body and blood in this city. The transfiguration moment for people who need to know there's something more, that it's going to be okay, that they're forgiven, who are scared and lonely, etc. He sends all of us out, not just me, to be broken bread and blood for people to see and hear and touch and taste that it's going to be all right with our words and our deeds. And he will do that, and it will be okay. And this year, the church will not only survive, but it will thrive. There's something far greater at shape and moving right now than Putin. There's the kingdom of heaven that's moving right now, encompassing all of this and actively bringing people into that reign, which is far greater and more long-lasting than any other country, nation, or state. And you are in it. In Jesus' name, amen.